0: I was asking him, had, had he ever taught on the end times? And he said, No, I've never really taught on the end times. He said, But I will tell you this. Recently, God spoke to me about the end times, and he said, using David's word, I have this scale, like a Richter scale, on based on how much I, you know, how, what level it is I feel like God's speaking to me. And this is, was the highest level that God has ever spoken to me about the end times. And, and I thought, Wow, that's, that's significant. You know, the end times is really on God's heart. He really does, you know, want us to understand that we are living in the end times, and that we need to open our eyes to see that, and really discover, you know, what does the Bible say about the end times and about the coming of Christ and about the Antichrist, all that thing. And, and there's so much in the Bible about that. You could you could teach on it and study on it. I, I believe literally for years and not exhaust it. Uh, but one of the things that I really felt was, Lord, how do we really prepare? Because one of the, if you study the Scripture, one of the things that the Lord keeps saying, you know, in a lot of His parables about the end times in, in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, He keeps saying this thing, over and over, you've got to be ready because it's going to come in an hour you don't expect. That's, that was, that's one of the themes that He says over and over, is be ready, be watching, because it's going to happen at a time when nobody expects it to happen. Nobody believes it's going to happen. But it's, that's when it's going to happen. And so that word ready in the Bible, in the Greek, doesn't mean ready like we think it means ready. It literally means to be prepared. I mean, you can be ready to go to work in the morning and, and not really, you know, not be with it. you know. But you're having to go because you're supposed to be there and you need money. Um, but he's talking about, no, he's talking about not that kind of ready. He's talking about being prepared so when it happens... It won't. It will not be like a thief in the night to you. It won't catch you off guard. You you will know it's happening. God really means for us to know, not the day and the hour, but to know the season to be prepared always for His return. And that's really and that's why, he's, really, what would happen with man if he didn't say be prepared is we and, and if he told us this is when it's going to happen, we'd wait to a day or, or a week before he we got there and start getting ready then. So he kept it a secret. He don't want nobody to know about it. So we would always be ready, we would always be prepared for His return. And we really need to take that to heart, that we need to be prepared that Jesus is going to return to this earth. And that really is a part of the gospel message, just as much as the blood is a part, that Jesus is coming back. And so, uh, you know, I was asking the Lord, Lord, you know, how do we prepare? What do we really do to be prepared? And He kept telling me, Luke 24... And I would look at Luke twenty four and said, "No, Lord, I'm ask you, how do we prepare for you to return? There's nothing in Luke twenty four about you coming back." And so I'd pray some more about it, and this Luke twenty four kept coming to me over and over. And although Luke twenty four is not, in fact, Luke twenty four is a a Easter chapter in the Bible, okay. But I really feel the Lord showed me that Luke twenty four is a key for us right now, and I want to share a few things out of Luke 24 this morning, okay? Uh, one thing that I feel like about Luke 24, this is what I see about it. In many ways, it's a micro, microcosm. Everybody know what a microcosm is? Jenny, you don't know what it is. <laughs> With that look you got. A microcosm. Matthew knows what it is, right? A microcosm is a word, fancy word. I like that word, though. A microcosm is like a little world that represents a larger world, right? It's it's a representative world. Everything that's going on in this little world happens in the... In other words, so you could say, you could take pretty much a lot of most churches and say that church is a microcosm of what's going on in the church in America, you know, in certain streams, okay? So I believe if you look at Luke 24... See, it's a fascinating chapter in the Bible. It is totally fascinating. If you look at it, that's what it is. It's like a little world of Christianity. It, like in that one chapter, describes how Christianity is, how your Christian life is lived, and goes through many of the experiences that every believer is going to experience as they walk with God. And I've always loved Luke 24 because of the things that happened at the end, towards the end of it. You know, the part when it says our hearts were on fire and He opened their, understanding to under, opened their mind to understand the Scripture. But, you know, you can't have that part without the rest of it. That's what I've, I've discovered in my life. So what I want to do is just sort of run through it, you know, briefly and, and just show you a few things which I really believe can help us if we really can see this that this is what we need to be doing right now, today. This is how our lives are going to be lived and how we can expect it to go. And therefore, we'll be a little bit more prepared, you know, just in living your Christian life and not stumbling over simple things because there's big things coming. Are you with me? Come on now. All right, let's just start. Let me read now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, this is Luke 24, they and other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. All right. This is number one. Came to the tomb, verse 1. The Lord will always lead us to a place of death. This is, this is so exciting, Christianity, right here. <laughs> That's why I was saying, boy, this is a great way to do a message. The Lord will always lead you to a place of death. That is really the truth, okay? All right. And uh, I'm going to say a little bit more about it in just a second. And it says, uh, But they found this, the stone rolled away from the tomb, and then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus, the, Jesus Christ. So they, they had to come to the tomb. You know, the Lord's going to always lead us to, to the place of death. And then the problem is when you get to this tomb, when you get to this place, this death experience, that you and I are going to walk through in our Christian walk, you're not going to find the body of the Lord there meaning this, the body of Christ being the church, it is really the one place that nobody else can help you in. When you find yourself in that place of death, it is like there's no counsel on this earth that can help you out of this place of death. There's really not. In fact, if you're going to be a wise friend and a wise counselor to people, you will learn when people are going through that to keep your mouth shut and leave your opinion alone because that's what happens Um, Because it is a time when it's just between you and God. You hear that? It's it's the one place in Christianity that I know of, and there may be other places, but it is the one place where the family of God, your friends, can't help you. There's just nothing. We could encourage you, bless you, but we really can't help you. It really is that place where you find God yourself, and you face God yourself. Okay? That's really exciting, isn't it? All right, the next thing you're going to notice, this is how you're going to know, is in, it goes on in, in verse 4, and it says, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. See, that's a good sign that you, if you are greatly perplexed about what's going on in your life, it is a good sign that you are experiencing... This death, you're, you're visiting the tomb. Now, here's the thing. A lot of people think we can go there one time in our Christian walk, get that deal done with and be over with and go on. But that is really not the way it is. You're going to find in your life over and over places where God keeps bringing you back to this experience of death in your life where, you, where He takes you to that place where it's just just you and Him, where He takes you to the tomb, And there's nobody there to help you. There's nobody there that can give you the right answers. There's nobody that can open the doors. And you are going to be perplexed. And this is really one of the things I have found, I am finding in my life, you know, going through some things in my life that are just totally like insolvable things. There's no answer for them. I can't solve them anyway. It's like, what are you going to do? Well, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. By your grace, I'm just not going to sin. You know, I mean, that's really what I've come down to. I'm just going to slam not sin here. You know, I'm not going to curse God and die. I'm not going to, you know, Lord, just by Your grace, I'm not going to do things I shouldn't do, say things I shouldn't say. Because that's what happens to us when we're in that place of death. That's what happens to us when we're at the tomb. It's we, You know, many people get off there. They miss the, you know, go off the track there. Get angry with God. Get angry with, you know, the people who've helped get you there. People can, by the way, help get you there. Uh, let me read this thing. Um, the Tomb is the Womb of the Spirit. This, come out of a, this comes from Watchman Nee. Uh, this is a powerful thing that he said in uh, the normal Christian life, which, as you all well know, is, is one of my all-time favorite books. Everybody should read that book at least ten times in their life. It's, it's tremendous. But this is, this is what he said in the book. He says, No one can be a true servant of God without knowing the principle of death and the principle of resurrection. Even the Lord Jesus Himself served on that basis. You will find in Matthew 3 that before His public ministry ever began, our Lord submitted Himself to baptism. He was baptized not because He had any sin or anything which needed cleansing. No, we know the meaning of baptism. It is a figure of death and resurrection. The ministry of the Lord did not begin until, in figure, He had taken His stand there. After He had been baptized and had voluntarily taken the ground of death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit came upon Him. Then He ministered. Isn't that such a true statement? Isn't that so true? You see, let me tell you, all you have been baptized in the waters, we've got to do that, you know, but you are going to live out that. You are going to live out that death. You're going to live out that barrel. You are going to experience it. It's not just going there and experience it when it happened. Okay? I mean that's a very spiritual thing that happens to you there, but you walk it out. You walk that death experience out. Amen? Now ain't nobody amen in that. Now ain't nobody likes that. You're crazy if you amen. <laughs> I just led you down the bad path. <laughs> no, actually we do need to amen it. It's part of our life, okay? Um Remember the the great hymn, uh, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall declare your praise, something like that. That's a powerful hymn. But one of the... the, Yeah, no, it's not Desperado. This is a hymn. This is a real Christian hymn. It's not the Eagles. (laughs) But one of the things that they... One of the lines in that song is, Though the darkness hide thee. And if you look there, it says very early in the morning they came. Well, actually, this is what John says. Now, in the first, this, he's talking about the same experience. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. While it was still dark. Now, this is this is really interesting. Okay, darkness. See, all through the Bible, what you find about the Lord, if you really study the Bible, you will find some of the most significant things that God did. He did under the cover of darkness. Okay, he did them under the cover of darkness. Now, now I'm not talking about darkness in the sin and the, and the thing of sin and thing of evil, but there is this darkness that God surrounds Himself with, especially when God's doing significant things. He hides Himself from human eyes. And three of the most significant events that happened in history, for sure, two of them. And I believe the first one, uh, Jesus was born in a secluded, out of the way stable. Apparently. Apparently, I'm not saying for sure, but apparently in the evening hours, apparently it was dark when he was born. You know, based on, you know, look, looking at Luke 2 and the shepherds coming at night, etc. But for sure, there was not a crowd there. There was not a crowd there. He, it was an uh, out of the way place. Uh, that, was, that was significant. According to Mark 15, this is powerful. Jesus was crucified at 9 o'clock in the morning. At 12 noon until 3 p.m., there was darkness over the whole land. Right in the middle of the day, from twelve o'clock to three o'clock, it got dark. And that, if you read, that was doing, that was the time Jesus was dying between those those hours from twelve to three. His life was leaking out of him. So you see, he was born apparently in darkness. I'm going to use apparently, likely, and for sure he died in darkness. One, you know, him, his birth, his his death. To the mo- and then of course this third thing, uh, he was resurrected in darkness. No one saw him resurrected. When they went to the tomb, it was still dark there. So you see, you know, you know the Lord, um, the three most important events in all of history. Think about it. The three most important things that ever happened on this earth, it was dark when they happened. Now you tell me God's not trying to speak to us. He's got to be speaking. Because you find in your life, some of the things that happen to you, there's a darkness that comes with it. There's this darkness you can't see through it and you can't figure it out. In fact, I will say to you, our Christian life is like that. There's this darkness. Now, are you with me? I don't want to get too excited here. (laughs) Hold your place there and turn to Acts 17. Let me read this. You good? Corey? (laughs) All right. Acts 17. Verse 26. And this is Paul giving a talk to these guys over in Athens. And it says, And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord, okay, in the hope that they might grope. Everybody say grope. Grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. Okay, that word grope, uh, you know, grope in the Greek, New Testament, Strong's number five fifty five eighty four. 84 That's what it means, to feel around for. That's one of the means of that word grope, to feel around for, to grope for, to try to find. And, you know, a, a way of translating that the grope is, as they felt around for him. Now you tell me, does that describe how Christianity is? Is it not feeling around for the Lord, trying to find the Lord? Even though He's not far from us, He's there, He's near, but there's a sense of God, there's this darkness around Him where we can't really see Him. I don't care who you are, the best of the best really don't see the Lord clearly all the time. I mean, it's seldom. Are you all with me on that? I mean, it's really, so spiritually this is how we find Him. Dealing with the darkness that He seems to surround Himself with. And it throws a lot of people. It really throws a lot of people because they feel like everybody else is seeing this, you know, they think everybody else has this real clear thing. They don't. They do not They do not have this real clear thing. The greatest, most spiritual people on this earth, they don't have much more clear stuff than you do. It's just they're acting on what they do have. That's the difference. They act on what they do know God has shown them. There's no difference. We're all groping for God. We're all feeling for God, all trying to touch God and find God in these places. That's the way Christianity is. And I believe the Lord does use that cover of darkness to do the greatest works He does in our life. I really believe that. And at your darkest hour, at your darkest moment, God is doing something. And see, a lot of us try to weasel out of that dark moment. A lot of us try to escape that dark moment. And see, ultimately, in the the end, it doesn't serve you because you're going to keep going back there. You're going to keep going back there. You're going to keep going back there until you find Him at that moment. And then when you find Him that moment, guess what? There's another dark day coming. You know, it never stops. It never stops. It really doesn't. And this is the thing. I think the Lord, one of the things spiritually is trying to show us by working in darkness that we really do need spiritual insight or we will miss what He's doing. We cannot see what God's doing naturally. And that's why I was talking about that alarm and that that thing. I've been telling people that for a while, and it's like, unless you really tune into the spirit realm, you can't hear that alarm. It's, 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 you know, just doesn't make sense. Now go back to uh, Luke 24. Are you all with me so far? The normal Christian life, kind of. It's not what he wrote in the book, but... (laughs) Trust me, the book's more intense. All right, Luke 24. And it happened, okay? And it happened in verse 4. It says, uh, "...and it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments." So that's another thing that's going to happen. After your grave experience, something's always going to happen in your life. Okay? Okay? You, after every situation you find yourself in where there's this darkness, where there's this death, where there's this perplexion, where you go through this time in your life, I promise you, you cannot show me a place in the Bible where God didn't meet, a, meet the people. He always does it. He always meets you. Something happens. Just like in this case, these angels appeared and began to talk to them and reveal to them something supernatural happened or something, you know, a door could suddenly open. Things would unlock. Your life could suddenly change. And it will happen. But you've got to go through that dark time first. You really have to go through it. And here's another cool thing. If you go back and study the Bible about graveyards in the Bible, think there are some powerful things that happen in Graveyards. Like Jesus was resurrected in one—that's the most powerful thing that ever happened. Okay. Well, in the Old Testament, they were burying a the guy. They were, at, they were at this funeral. They were—they were trying to bury this guy. I think it's in First or Second Kings. And uh, these raiders came attacking. They just tossed the body into the and it slid over into this next, uh, you know, grave, which happened to be Elijah's grave. And the guy came back alive when he when his dead body hit Elijah's bone. He came. He—he he was, you know, instantly alive. That's a powerful thing, you know. In the New, yeah, in the New Testament, you know, Lazarus was raised, one of the significant miracles that Jesus did was Lazarus. He was raised from the dead. So you see, that is where significant things will happen in your life. Is at the graveyard. It's at that place of death. Is at that place of darkness. That's where God will do something in your life if you will allow Him to do it. You see, we don't allow Him to finish the work. We get out of it. So we go through these dark, difficult times and nothing ever happens. It's not God's fault. He had intended. So you get to go through them and keep going through them. You know? uh, look at verse 11. And it says, And their words, they went back and told everybody, you know, we saw these angels. The Lord's not there. And their words seemed to them like idle tales. They did not believe them. Here's another experience you're going to have. Okay, You're going to experience this on both sides of the coin. Things are gonna happen in your life. Hey, listen, the Lord's wanting to do something. There's alarm going off in the whole in, in the spiritual realm. We gotta wake up. We're living in a critical moment. I don't hear no alarm. What are you talking about? Alarm. You know? I don't know. I don't know that. You know? That's the way it is. That's what happened. To them. They they were saying the Lord's raised, He's alive, He's raised from the dead. These are the people who Jesus told this was going to happen. I, I ain't seen him. Where, you know, what are you talking about? And that's the way Christianity works. And so sometimes we're going to be the ones seeing stuff and hearing something, trying to tell people They're it's going to look at you. And sometimes we're the ones who's going to be, huh? I ain't knowing anything about that. You see what I'm saying? Has anybody ever experienced that? It's so frustrating. It's frustrating on both ends, actually. You know, it really is. But here's the right response um, in verse 12. Uh, it says, but Peter arose and ran to the tomb. That's the right response. He heard something. Well, I'm going to go find out for myself. You know, I'm not just going to trust what this person. I'm going to go see that tomb. I'm going to go see if the Lord's raised from the dead. I'm going to do something about it. I'm not just going to sit here and have a blank look on my face. And just be in disbelief. I'm gonna find is that really true what they're saying, Lord. I mean, that's what I would be doing if I were you. Man, he's been talking about this stupid alarm thing for weeks now. Damn, I gotta find out about this. Is there an alarm going off? Lord, I need to hear it. I need to find out what's going on in the spirit realm. Lord, is there really an alarm? are we living in a dark time? I've got to find out this for myself. I can't just sit there and disbelieve it or well, if you say they are. You know, but when you hear it yourself, something happens to you. Not just when you hear somebody else tell their experience. You've got to get your own thing. And that's what God wants us to do. Go find out. Find out if there's an alarm going out in the spirit realm. Don't be just stuck being messed up. Find out. They could have just stayed stuck there and messed up. You know, the apostles. And that's really what the Lord wants us to do. Y'all with me? Okay, moving on. Verse 13. Now, this is the great part here, I think getting away from the graveyard, you know. <laughs> that's what we want to do, is put as much distance between us and that grave as possible. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And that's sort of like, you know, the journey of Christianity. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. That's the journey of Christianity, talking about, oh, man, man, you know, about what the Lord's doing, what the Lord's not doing. Isn't that the way we live our Christian life? Talking about stuff? You know, mostly just talk, not much doing. Isn't that right? We do a lot of talking about spiritual things. We don't do a lot of spiritual things sometimes. (laughs) But that's sort of a good description of Christianity, verse 13 and 14. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And that's the cool thing about it. You know, Jesus is with us all the time. In our Christian walk, he really is with us. He has drawn near to each one of us, and he's with us right this moment, even when we don't feel him, when we don't hear him. But Jesus is still right there with us. Isn't that just, just wonderful? I know that's simple, but that's wonderful. But, that's a big word in the Bible, but. <laughs> but, I'm a Christian but. <laughs> <laughs> we had people saying stuff to us one time that actually said that. This one kid was saying it about him fighting on the school bus. He was asking why he's fighting on the school bus. Well, I'm a Christian, but those guys, you know, seem like all these Christians we were around at the time, they were Christians, but, you know, I smoke pot. <laughs> I'm a Christian, but I drink. I get drunk. You know. I'm a Christian, but and it's like, well, there's Christian butts. That's what these people are. That's the butts of the body of Christ. <laughs> and that's what we started calling them Christian butts. Not at their face. <laughs> <laughs> But their eyes were restrained. Their, eye, their eyes were restrained so that they did not know Him. And that's an example of the Lord working in darkness. Okay? It's because we can't see Him. And there are times when, you know, it's, it's going to be dark. Our eyes are going to restrain. Uh, he's near us, but just like them, missing Him. Missing Him. Talking to you. Missing Him. Saying stuff to you. Missing Him. Isn't that the way, way it goes for you? And that's the way it goes for me? And then they, uh, so, you know, but their eyes were strained. And he said, to them, what kind of conversations that you have with one another as you talk and are sad? That's another good view of Christianity. We're sad most of the time. You know, we're a lot of sadness in in the church. And I think the Lord wants to do something about that. We shouldn't be sad. Then one whose name uh, was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things which happen there in these days? Uh, now, this is important to you. God will appear as a stranger to you at times. Okay? God will appear as a stranger. You see, what happens with the Lord? We start to getting to know the Lord and we're thinking, you know, this is what happened to me. I was getting to know the Lord as a young Christian. You know, really thinking, out. you know, I'm going down this path. I'm walking with God. I'm growing. And then one day, God changed on me he really did change on me even though the bible says he's unchangeable well he really is unchangeable he just changed the way he was acting towards me and it was like there was a side of god that i never knew before and i said that wait a minute who are you i don't know you and he said you will spend the rest of your life discovering i have many faces The moment you think you know something about me, I'm going to reveal something to you you don't know. And you will spend your life knowing me, developing a relationship. You will never ultimately know me on this earth. And that's just the way he was. The Lord was he was coming, you know, he was a a man of you know in the flesh, Jesus in the flesh, but he was changed then. He was a stranger. And you see, as you walk with God, there'll be times when he's like, What in the world? What happened to God? What happened to the God I was so in love with that so blessed me? He is not so nice right now. This is a mean God. I told him at that point, you're mean. I'm not liking this side of you, Lord. (laughs) But you learn he's not mean. He's very loving. just does it different. (laughs) Uh, But we were hoping, but we were hoping in verse 21 it says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Has anybody ever been disappointed about things you were hoping for? Just slam disappointed. It didn't work out. We were really hoping the Lord was going to do such and such. We were believing for it, and it didn't happen. I'll tell you something. That's part of being a Christian. You will go through disappointment. Things will not work the way you believe they were going to work. You hear me? So don't be surprised when that happens to you. Just say, well, I'm just going to suck it up with the rest of them and be disappointed. You know, my hopes were dashed to the ground. You know, and you know that's just the way the Lord is. Verse 24, it says, And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him, him, they did not... See. You see what happens, and this is another important thing for you as you walk with God. I don't have any answer for you about your hope, really. Uh, You know, except, you know, whatever God takes away, He replaces because He takes away to establish. And whenever we go through disappointments, it's God because you were putting your hope in something that wasn't fully God. They were putting the hope in a Savior who was going to be like an earthly king, and He had no desire for that. But He showed them how much of a greater king. He really is. So, you know, what we had to do when we face disappointment is realize we were hoping really in the wrong things in the wrong way. And the Lord always takes care of that. But him they did not see. Uh, this is something important for all of us as we walk with God. There'll be times when God does certain things, God's involved in certain things, God's doing certain things, and then one day God's out of it. You know? It's like, where was God? What happened? This, the Lord used to be in this. This song used to be so wonderful. Every time we'd sing it, the juice of heaven would flow. Now you sing it and it's like the dryness of hell is arising. I feel the flames of hell licking at my feet. It's so miserable to me. You know, God does remove Himself from things. He really does. He was saying to them guys, I'm not into this being... Jesus, the man who walked, just walked on the earth for those three years anymore, I'm through with that. It's over. It's time to move on. And we really have to wake up and see that God moves on. And when He moves, guess what we should do? Move with Him. And that's where a lot of us fail. He's gone. I'll just say that to somebody about some things in your life. Listen to me. Things that God was in. He's gone now. Whatever that thing was, that relationship, that whatever he's out of it he's done with it he's through he's moved on and you're still trying to have something that he was in and he's saying I'm through with that I'm finished with that in your life I don't want to stay back there and we try to stay back there but he's not back there he's here today with you he's gone out of whatever that was and I think some of us need to hear that this morning people in this room need to hear you're hanging on to things that God's not in anymore you need to let him go and find him what he's in today. Find out where he's at right this moment and embrace him there because that's really what he requires of us over and over and over. And let me tell you, that is a very painful thing to do that. It's not easy to do that. It's not easy. It's pain. There's pain associated with following God. I have you know this morning. I wish I could say there wasn't pain. <laughs> There's pain, but it's good pain. You know, the song, It Hurt So Good, y'all know that one. <laughs> that applies to Christianity. Right? You know that song, Dean. It hurts so good. And that's another song that needs to get saved. Okay. Verse 25. Y'all are not mad at me, are you? We're moving along here. We've done just a second. <laughs> oh. <laughs> then he said to them, O the foolish and slow heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Okay? Ought not Christ have suffered these things? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning who? Himself, You see, now that's really the first written subject that Jesus talked about after he was raised from the dead was what the Bible said about himself. And that's really what will happen to us as we walk with God and come, you know, as we lead things that have died, as we go through these experiences with God and we start to enter into a new place with God, the first thing God wants to do is guess who he doesn't want to talk about? is you and I. The first thing He always wants to do when He's bringing something new, He starts revealing Himself to us. And He starts talking about Himself. God is really, He is totally in love with Himself. He's infatuated with Himself. He loves to talk about Himself. Okay? He really does. I mean, unlike, not very much like, that's where we sort of got that thing from, but we sort of warped it. You know, we like to talk about ourselves, right? We like, we're self-centered. Well, God is the most self-centered being there is. But we can't be that way because we warp it and pervert it. He's self-centered because he knows how much it's going to help us. And it's all for us, how much he loves us. But that's really what the Lord wants to do is reveal himself to us. So he always starts with the self when he's taking us to new places. And then I love this. Oh, man, this is really the best part of this. But, you know, this is the part I always want. Yeah, this is the part I want. Forget all that other stuff, that tomb and darkness and, you know, that's the downside. Uh It says, "Then, uh, well, And and then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. It actually says he acted like he would. They were going somewhere. The Lord was with them. Well, here we are. We're fixing to get to where we're going, and the Lord said, Okay, well, we'll see you, boy. I'm going on now." now. Wait a minute. You know, wait a minute, Lord. You know, whoa. Where are you going? You know, That's what God wants from us. When we're walking, when we feel... Have you ever just felt like the Lord wasn't there? Isn't that the most lonely feeling there is? Is God's not there. You see, here's one of the things that I've learned in my Christian life about the presence of the Lord is I can tell more about the presence of the Lord when He's gone. Many times He's with me. I'm not conscious of it, but I can tell when He's not there. I can remember recently one you know, I think I might have shared this with somebody, I'm not sure if I did, but I was watching the news and I felt so lonely. It's the way I felt this loneliness was on me. And, you know, Becky was there, you know, it wasn't like I was by myself. But what had happened is I had did something I shouldn't have done earlier in the day. I had talked rough to somebody. And Imagine that. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Anyways, I said, "Where are I knew that loneliness with God is presence? Where are you, Lord?" And he said, "You remember that conversation you had earlier today, with that person? I wasn't pleased with it. I repented, Lord, forgive me." I sent that person an email because he's out of town at the time. You know, Forgive me for you know, being so sharp with you. You know, the presence of the Lord, when it's the most precious commodity that we have, and many times we don't realize that we have it until he's gone. And, I, and that's a good thing about God, is that he withdraws himself to let us know. But, you know, that's constraining the Lord. Lord, I, you know, why are you gone? Why aren't you? I don't, you know, Lord, I, I need you. Lord, I want you, Lord. That's what God wants to do to everybody in this room. He wants to infect us like that. When we don't sense him, when we feel he's gone, Lord, where are you? Tell me where you are, Lord. What happened? I need to be with you, Lord. We'd be insanely, you know, crazy over His presence, because He will act like He's going on, and it's a lonely time watching ABC, CBS news about the Lord <laughs> to tell you what's really going on. Don't don't listen to that. <laughs> he indicated He would He would go on, and then it says they constrained Him, um, and then we got this charge. Let's go. Sound the alarm. (laughs) Is that an alarm to get done? (laughs) But they constrain him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. This is something I think is really right. Uh, He is looking for those who will grope for him. That's the groping. So he stayed with them, it says in verse 29. Uh, He went and stayed with them. This is a great thing about the Lord. Well, the day is far sp- I think the day far spent in verse 29 speaks of the end of the age. I think that's really one I want to say about the end time is we need to see the end of the age. The day is far spent. And we need the Lord right now more than we needed Him last week at this time. We need the Lord. We desperately need the Lord. That's a real profound statement, isn't it? We desperately need the Lord. And this is great about the Lord. Now, it came to pass as He sat at the table with them. The Lord loves to fellowship. That's one thing you will find out about the Lord as you walk. He just loves to fellowship with people. You know, and that's why they was able to get him to stay, because they were going to fellowship with him. You know? The Lord will hang around you just to hang around with you and fellowship with you. Because he loves fellowship. You hear me? The Lord loves to fellowship with you. He wants to be with you. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk to you. And you can do it in any way you want to. You don't have to do it in a religious way. You can do it while you work. You can do it as you in the car. You can just do it anytime he wants to do it with you. Fellowship with him. He wants to talk to you and have a relationship with you. It doesn't have to be some religious thing. He really does love the fellowship. And their eyes were open, it says. And they knew him after he took the bread and broke it. Now, that's a, really the main thing I wanted to share. Everything else was just extra. You know? But this is really what I wanted to tell you this morning about the Lord's brokenness. And it says our eyes were open when the bread was broken. I believe this is one of our problems <laughs> is we're so focused on our own brokenness and our own messes that we're not seeing His brokenness. You see, I believe when we start seeing the Lord broken for us, I, to me, that's one of the greatest keys that God can have. That's what opens our eyes up to the spiritual realm. It says, it says their eyes were opened as He broke and blessed the bread, and they knew Him. As, a Lord, as they saw a broken Jesus. That's really one of the things I'm excited about that movie, The Passion, because I think it's going to really show a broken Jesus. And I think the world needs to see a broken Jesus. Before they see a King Jesus and a glorious Jesus, they need to see a broken Jesus. They need to see a Jesus that hurt. They need to see a Jesus that bled. And see, we've gotten away from that in the church. We've gotten away from seeing His brokenness. And I think that would prepare us for the end times more than anything, that we could see the God Almighty as a broken God, that He really is a broken God. He's broken. You know, the Bible says he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the earth. Now, that's the truth of Christianity. And I think that can change our lives when we begin to see the Lord broken. But what has happened to us many times is we get so focused on our own brokenness, our own thing, that it blinds us to him. Blinds us. And we're not seeing him as broken, but their eyes were instantly opened and they saw him. Because they were, because he was broken before them. Y'all with me? All the disappointment. See, this is what's going on with people. You're disappointed by what didn't happen in your life. You're looking back by what didn't happen. You're taking your eyes off of this broken man. Taking your eyes off the cross. Taking your eyes off who he really is. And it's stuck, you. You're stuck. You see what I'm saying? And I believe, and this is the thing that I really love, I know I'm not really being good about reading, <laughs> it, says, uh, it says their eyes were opened in verse 30, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Vanished. Vanished. And they said to one another, see, this is the, this is the heart cry right here. You know, there's two heart cries in here. Lord, did, our not, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road? See, they—it's what I just said to you, when he's gone, you realize what was happening when he was there. How precious it was. You know, we come to church, enjoy the presence of the Lord, we don't realize how precious it is. We take things for granted. Did did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road, while he opened the scriptures to us? And I believe that's what the Lord wants to do. He wants to set people's hearts on fire where they burn inside of us. You know, where they really do burn. And I think a lot of people's fire, your fire is so damp down you can't even hardly find it anymore. It's hid under all the ash of your life. But there's a fire in there. It's still there. It's in there. There's a little ember in there. It never will go out. I don't believe. I'm believing that it won't. But that's one of the things. You know, when we see the Lord broken, I believe that's what sets our hearts back on fire for Him. And my prayer is for that movie that... You know, I'm not trying to put all too much on that movie, but I really believe, Lord, set the world's heart on fire when they go and see you the way you were treated for them. And Lord, set the church's heart back on fire again when we really see that bloody man beaten to a pulp, broken, broken for us. And that's really something we've got to get. And I think that's the key to Christianity. a lot of this other stuff, man. It's not going to do it for you. Whatever it is you think. This is one I just want to throw this in, and then we'll do communion at the end. I know we're going a little over, but I say that almost every week. Uh, It's verse 45. This should be our prayer. Lord, open our understanding. Lord, that truly we might comprehend the Scriptures. Please do that for us, Lord. Please. I Remember I told you the Lord said He had a heart for the right interpretation of the Scripture and that man had taken the Scripture and twisted it to mean what he wants, mean what man wants. And the Lord's heart cries. That I think the Lord wants to open our understanding. Up. And I think that's one of the things. The Lord told me ten things He was doing right now on the earth. That's one of them. Is he wants to give us a new understanding of the Word of God, a new appreciation for the Word of God. And these ten things, a lot, a lot of them the Lord's already doing. I mean, you know, in my life on little little ways. But, you know, I think that should be one of our prayers and outcome of the Lord being broken before us. And So I think that would prepare us for the Lord returning more than anything else, is that we would see Jesus broken for us. And I brought a loaf, I was gonna break it, I forgot about it. You know, everybody likes visual things. I'll give you a visual so you'll remember what I just said to you. If you can just imagine that this was Jesus. And this is what happened to Jesus. Imagine this. Ripped for you. I did that not keep y'all from getting so religious. But that's really what happened to him. Jesus was treated like that. He was treated like that. And he wants us to see that he was treated like common nothing thrown around, beaten around, stepped on, spit on. And that's the way Jesus was treated. And I believe if we can start seeing that again, Lord, show us that. Open our eyes in the breaking of the bread. Open our eyes in the breaking of the bread, Lord, that we'd really know you, Lord Jesus. Now, if I offended you about throwing that piece of bread at you, I'm sorry, but I've done worse. So we're going to do communion this morning. just thought maybe I'd just prepare you for that. And I believe the Lord just really does want to do something spiritual for us in communion. We've made communion something, and it's not. We really have. We get all, you know, oh Lord, forgive me for all my sins. You know, we don't want to take it because we think the Bible says we're going to die early if we take it unworthily and all that. I'm not sure the Bible means what we say it means on that. I'm thinking it means something else. But I really want us to see this morning as you take communion. If you could see the Lord's body broken. And if you could see that, Lord, I want to just partake in your broken body this morning and your poured out blood, that's really what I want to do.